Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 177. Um, As you guys know, I had to take a little bit of a break. Uh, It's been a few weeks since we've posted something new. I apologize for that. I am working on some other stuff. Uh, So, unfortunately, this kind of took the back burner for a minute. Um, But, that being said... I do have some more guests being lined up. It is getting back to uh, a higher priority slot and will be continuing. So uh, on this episode, though, I have an incredible conversation with Brendan Shane of the band The Nocturnal Affair. I really think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, If you're not familiar with The Nocturnal Affair, you need to be. They're doing some incredible stuff. Uh, And yeah, Brendan and I talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about uh, the new music that they're working on, going through the pandemic and, you know, being forced into lockdown as you're writing uh, potentially some of your best work yet. Um, We also talk about, you know, finding their place in the music scene and being able to to make friends with some incredible bands like Seventh Day Slumber uh, Magdalene Rose and Fozzie, who they're getting ready to go back out on tour with. Um, and it's going to be a fucking dope time. So yeah, let's dive into this. This is my conversation with Brendan Shane of the band, The Nocturnal Affair. Cool. Um, yeah. So to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time, man. Simple introduction. Who are you? Little background on yourself. I mean, you want me to give my name and everything? Is that... I mean, whatever, whatever persona you want to portray. Who I perceive myself to be. Yeah, let's Uh, let's go super deep right off the fucking bat. (laughs) Great philosophy. (laughs) Um, No, I. uh, My name is Brendan. I'm the singer for the Nocturnal Affair. Uh, I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Grew up in Las Vegas, and uh, yeah, yeah, and decided that. This was the the scene that you're going to go down. So I want to talk a little bit about your your musical history because I think, you know, I've I've done a little bit of research on you and it seems like you know from a young age it, it sounds like music was super important to you. Talk about like discovering your own style of music in that like obviously we all grow up with what our parents listen to. When was that transition to like okay, it's not going to be that. Like this is what I connect with. Probably high school, middle school to high school. I would say I started listening to heavier music, rock music. Uh, high school is when I discovered metal and started playing guitar. All of that. Discovered all those lovely new metal bands, thrash metal bands, weird bands like stuff like Mike Patton and all of his lovely projects. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting because, you know, coming from Maryland, growing up in, in Vegas, Vegas is about as eclectic as you can get, right? Like there's always a show somewhere. There's always shit going on. What was it like, you know, coming through that environment and being exposed to to such a diverse music scene? Vegas was interesting because, I mean, it really depends on what decade you're talking about because... (laughs) My high school years is when I started going to shows. So that was probably, you know, the the early to mid to late 2000s, right? So that was the era of My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, you know, 
warp tour style bands kind of were making the big bucks and that was kind of what you saw at, at most local shows uh meanwhile you know i was wearing the trip pants the straight jackets and trench coats and listening to nine inch nails and slipknot and uh cradle of filth and all that stuff yeah. so um it was it was an interesting scene that's for sure uh shows were happening everywhere you know anywhere that somebody could put kids of all ages in a room that wasn't a bar so there's a lot of like churches that were converted to venues because most of the time that was just the easiest they had they had mm-hmm. stages and sound systems and stuff like that but i mean there were plenty of coffee shops and you know little diners that you know when, when you know that that video you know what the fuck is up denny's like right. there, were, there were a lot of little diners that did have these weird local shows happening where people are just sitting there trying to eat like you know pancakes and you know kids come in with makeup and tight pants and <laughs> start fighting each other so yeah <laughs> i i think that's super dope though because you know the hollywood stereotype of vegas that's not unusual at all right like the vegas scene of course there's that kind of environment going on yeah, it well it's it's interesting because Vegas has always been um I don't know. I I it really it does it does depend on what what decade you're talking about because throughout like the like 2010s it was all just a ton of like I don't know is it post emo? I don't even know what the name of the genre is. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like a lot of hardcore bands, a lot of stuff like that, but um we were always kind of left of that left field compared to that stuff yeah yeah well and i think you know i've said this for a long time like when it comes to the the heavy music scene you know like it had its kind of prime in the 80s you know the hair metals and stuff like that and really got mainstream and then it fell off and it seems like up until probably about I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in your your vision, but probably the last like seven or eight years, it's starting to make that revival. It's Air always metal? been a, yeah, well, yeah. metal in general, heavier music oh, okay. in general. Uh, yeah. But hair metal, if you want to count, you know, Black Veil Brides or something like that, you know, uh, him is I'm, kind you of. Know, you said hair metal, I'm just immediately thinking of our buddies in Steel Panther. I love those yeah, guys. Yep. Steel Panther yeah. would be great. And yeah. I mean, Chris would probably punch you in the face if you said it, but Fozzie uh, is right borderline with that hair metal feel. So I mean, yeah, they've all got some great hair, except uh, PJ. You know, yeah. but he's got a great beanie, fantastic, right. fantastic <laughs> beanie. You know what I mean? Who am I to talk? But right, yeah. So, um, but no, I think the the thing is like metal has always been heavy music, whatever like you said, whatever genre name we're going to fucking give this stuff has always had like a really solid foundation, but always struggles to make that mainstream breakthrough. What do you think the, the most defining reason for that is, is it just that it's too loud for, for the average consumer? Um, I don't know. That's I guess I've never really thought of that. It's not something I've wondered. Uh I would just say it's potentially just not as accessible as other genres sometimes. I don't know. It's it's always changing though. So 
Yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. And I, I guess my my thought process goes into, you know, unfortunately, especially terrestrial radio and like traditional formats, right? Like it's still ran by the older generation. So, yeah, you know, it's the the Airheads movie is what came to mind. Like it's too loud, <laughs> you're too old, like this, <laughs> this doesn't yeah. work. Um, well, it's interesting because, you know, we did see a lot of other genres kind of dipping their their toes into metal and into hard rock. I mean, recently, you know, even, you know, rap artists, hip hop, even country has been doing yeah. screaming and breakdowns and heavier guitars. So I don't know, man, I think it's creeping its way in. And I think uh, I think the gatekeepers of the past have kind of moved on and retired. And I, I think, you know, there's some really great chances for for metal moving forward. Yeah. No, and I, I would definitely agree with that. Like I was saying earlier about, you know, it's always had this really solid foundation. I do think it is building to a almost a resurgence of that kind of 80s feel where like, is it going to be the top genre? Probably not. But is it going to be a top contender? I think so. I think it's getting close. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you guys and, and music, obviously <laughs> being a band, but you guys have been you know, plugging away, the COVID years fucked everything up for everybody, but, um, you know, you guys were, were dropping music, COVID hits, everybody slows down. What was that like for, for you where you were starting to build that momentum and then a hard stop happens? Oh, I went that shit crazy. <laughs> I went straight up insane. I am a, um, I'm an, I'm a very loud extrovert by nature. I I'm fueled on the energy of myself and other people. I like to meet new people. I like to talk to people. I like to talk all the time. I like to go out. I like to just see people. I like to go to concerts and see bands. And then I also like to find a spot where I can like turn around and I can see the experience of other people at the show. And when all that came to a grinding halt, I was just sitting in my house. I was twiddling my thumbs. I was going absolutely fucking insane. So like everybody else uh, in my area, I took up drinking. And I took up eating shit <laughs> and uh, and I wrote some crazy fucking music for about two years and um, I forgot how to be social. And uh, yeah, that's how I took it. I don't know, man. And I, I went balls to the wall crazy. I'm still socially recovering from it. Beforehand, I used to be able to hold a conversation like no other. And now I find myself, you know, stopping in the middle of sentences and kind of realizing like social anxiety is kicking in. Like it's still it's. I'm still not back at a hundred percent socially because of it, because, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like relearning how to fucking walk in a way, you know what I mean? Emotionally. So it's uh, maybe I shouldn't say that because that is, that is a big struggle for people who actually need to relearn how to walk, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. fucking tough, man. Yeah. It, it, it goes into the whole, like, you know, I see your analogy, like relearning the cadence of a conversation where yeah. the balance is between two people like am i Especially leaning on them too when much? other people obviously because i'm not the only one that went through it everyone right. in the fucking world did so it's like i may be doing just fine but like suicide rates have gone up mental instability has gone up like dude it's like people needing to be medicated to feel normal has gone up so it's like i'm going out into a world now where other people maybe aren't uh as uh healed as i am maybe with uh yeah. like socializing with other people 
and I can see it. Like you can, you can feel it. You can, you can tell when other people have experienced those emotions. Um, I remember the first tour we did coming back out of the pandemic, it was uh, 2022 and it was our first tour with Fozzie. It was, uh, I believe it was spring into summer. It was, it was after the, we did the cruise with them in the winter. And that was a hell of a thing because that was winter of 2021. We had just gotten our booster shot and because you had to in order to go on the ship. And right. so we went on a cruise and it's like, so everybody was vaxxed and tested. So it should be in turn safe. Yeah. But it's like, you could tell everyone was, it was almost like we all had a shared trauma because we went on the ship and still like we're standing in line at the buffet and I'm, I'm like noticing, I'm like, why the fuck are you standing so close to me? Because that was the mood. Right. If you were yeah. at Walgreens and you were with five feet of me, if you got closer, you were going to get punched. Like that was just one of those stay the fuck away from me. I don't need to get my older family sick, whatever. So it's like, right. you're on the ship and you're like a few times my guitarist had to be like, you're safe. Like, it's okay. And I was just like, like, I need fucking therapy. Like this is crazy. <laughs> so, and yeah. then same thing. We, we went on that, that first tour with them and in every city, you know, you see people having fun. Right. But then if you get, I, I, we get close to them after the set, or maybe some people would be like, Hey, good job. But like with it, as you got within the radius of other people, you could tell the discomfort was still there. People were still wearing masks. And then as we've gone on tour of, you know, tours since then, have, it's gotten better and better, but now it's like, it practically never happened, but yeah. Yeah. No. And the, you know, the, the Jericho cruise for anybody that's not familiar with that insane awesome little setup that he's got going on with that thing you know it's it's something one day i i hope to be a part of uh as a guest or you know doing press for it or whatever but um you know yeah getting a getting a shitload of people on a cruise ship and then having concerts and fucking wrestling matches and all sorts of shit well, on the first cruise we went on this will be our third one because we're going to be on the one in uh like January, February, whatever, next year. Uh, the first one we were on, I, me and the homies were on the same buffet schedule as Kurt Angle. So that was wild. That was nice. just crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And th you know, that's one of those beautiful things about music too, that like, obviously you're in a little bit different position as one of the artists, but still like the fact that music is what brings everyone together. It doesn't matter what fucking walk of life you're from, whatever, like, Sure, Kurt was there for the wrestling because of Chris, but right. you know he's still checking out some of the shows and and whatever. And it's still like that moment of, oh shit, like we're all here because we love this same thing. Yep. You're like having pancakes and you're like like on the last one and you're like, oh shit, that's a quiet riot over there. Cool. Nice. Be cool. Be cool. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That internal panic attack starting to build up. Like, do I do I ask for a selfie? Like what? What do I do? What's the protocol? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It's so, so cool too that, you know, not to keep, you know, bragging on Chris, but the, the attention that he's brought to both worlds, you know, and, and kind of bridging some gaps there for people that, you know, honestly, I think in both kind of, of worlds, typically feel like outcasts, right? Like a lot of heavy music enthusiasts don't feel like they fit in with everybody. A lot of wrestling fans obviously don't feel like they fit in with everybody. And then you have someone like Chris that's going 
hey guys you enjoy shit like come come hang out it's fine you yeah you start to see just how much everyone really does have in common it's been a really cool experience because growing up um and a lot of people that have come to see us with Fozzie might hate me for saying this but growing up i didn't watch a lot of wrestling i didn't know much about it and it yeah. wasn't until we were introduced to the crew and and were brought out for that first cruise that's that was my first wrestling show was the jericho cruise and i was hooked right out right at the gate i was like yeah. oh okay i get it like this is amazing um and i've you know been following it ever since and and it's 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 a blast but it's like you meet these fans of of wrestling and it's they have this bond it's like it's like going to a convention but everybody's best friends it's mm -hmm. not like because, I mean, I don't know if you've been to any fandom conventions. I've been to Anime Expo. I've been to a few other things. But, like, you go and everyone's kind of just, like, they got this, like, way about, like, I am the biggest fan and I this is my cosplay or not. And they just right. want the anime tits or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, or they, yeah. need, they need to get photos with the guys from Supernatural. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? They're fucking, they're just any kind of crazy but not sociable. <laughs> and then right. you go to the place and it's, like, they do costume nights. They do fucking, th like, I, you know, there was like a Saturday Night Fever night. There was a fucking superhero night. They got karaoke. People are just like, you get on, you get on board, and you leave with like a family, like a new family. It's so cool. Yeah. So it's um, Chris has got something magical. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, obviously for you guys, you can speak to this as well. That you kind of just touched on it with like building a family of people that are like minded, but also reaching fans that maybe you wouldn't have gotten exposed to before because of either his reach within just music or with the wrestling. It's like, Oh, this, this opened a door for us. Like there's potential here. Absolutely. I had a few people kind of like make fun of me when I first got the cruise. They're like, Oh, what are you going to do with a bunch of wrestling fans on a boat? And I was like, did you? So like, I may have not watched wrestling growing up, but I still played like WWE 2k or whatever like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I still played the wrestling games with friends. I still saw it on TV. And I'm like, what kind of fucking music did they walk out to? It wasn't ballet. It was fucking rock. And we play rock. Their fans are going to fucking like rock. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, yeah, people don't get it. But uh, that was a little tangent. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. It, it's true, though. I think a lot of people just, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's still a little bit gatekeeper-y where people are like, Oh, but I don't want to associate with that. And it's like, I bet. You know, if we look, sure. I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. People like wrestling. It, what? what are you yeah. doing? Having yeah. fun. These are the coolest fans I've ever met. And you know what? People can talk shit all day, but we will open one of four bands. We will be the first of four bands. And there's three to 500 people waiting to see Jericho. So we're as one of four on one of our first tours ever. We've only been on like, what, four or five tours and we're playing in front of 300 people at the least? That's amazing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, and those motherfuckers buy merch if they like you too. So it's, we're having a blast. Like, I, fuck yeah, I love wrestling now. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I think, you know, to your point too, on, you know, once you see wrestling live, especially like a smaller event like that where you're, real close not a giant arena show like it changes the whole structure of what that is to you as well it's like oh and yeah. it's not this like cheesy thing on tv that's like 
the quote unquote male soap opera or whatever. It's like, no, yeah. this shit's dope. Like, oh yeah, this is. I've cool. also I've made friends with with some wrestlers out of like Pittsburgh, so I've gotten yeah. to see like wrestling, you know, at at Chris's level uh, live, and I've now you know I've gotten to, to witness like even just like local wrestling and stuff like that. And I just have so much appreciation for the sport, for the acrobatics, for just like the sto- everything. It's it's fun, man. It's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know why I get such a bad rep. I don't know. Uh, because people are stupid. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with that. I mean, that's also very true on so many accounts. Like that's yes. Um, for you guys, you know, we'll keep it wrestling related for one more little, little question. If you could write a, a, uh, theme song for anyone, is there a wrestler that you're like, Oh, it'd be dope if they came out to a song that I wrote. I'm a sucker for the rock. I, I am a consumer whore for the rock and i'm proud of it i will drink zoa all day before i go work out i will fucking drink terramana when i party i just um i don't know why i've just always been a fan even when i was a kid and i wasn't watching him on wrestling watch yeah. the movies watch the whatever i don't know he's just like an action hero that that kind of was was getting popular i think maybe i saw him in one of the mummy movies and then i was like that guy's fucking cool growing up you know yeah so and i definitely kept the liquor store across the street from my apartment complex open all during the pandemic the moment it's so funny the pandemic started and i was like what a great time to quit drinking and the rock was like so i've got this terramana and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> cool. what, a, what a great time to only drink that <laughs> yeah i was like i'm pretty sure it happened and it had to have been like a 72 hour period where it's like i w- when i get into things i like to um like recruit my friends in a way so if it's like a video game like i started playing dead by daylight and then i got like Mm -hmm. 10 of my friends playing it like i I started playing grand theft auto online 10 of my friends are now playing it i've started playing you know what i mean whatever it is you gotta play with me let's do it let's do it together uh so i believe we are all you know i was i was like building that team okay whatever we we gotta stay in our homes we're gonna play this we're gonna do it sober guys and a few of my friends like fuck yeah and then the rock came out with that tequila and i was like let's have a a secret pod of friends safety drink let's drink let's drink a lot (laughs) yeah fucking the whole thing you know but i think he used to say because i think you and i are similar in age i'm 30 i just forgot how old i am 38 now uh so (laughs) so okay so i'm this night yeah kind of close in age uh, you know, growing up, he used to say that he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And uh, like, to your point, like seeing him in, in movies instead of on wrestling, like to still get hooked into him. And then there's yeah. just something about the way he presents himself that it's like, that's somebody that I fucking want to have something with. And he's like that true entrepreneur type that you want to be influenced by, that you want to right. follow. Not some guy running a multi-level marketing company that's trying to fool you in a, a fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some kind of pyramid scheme. Like this guy is the poster child for, you know, the American dream. Like with 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 everything he went through, you know, with his father and his family and everything like that. And then what he kind of built himself into, it's fucking awesome. So yeah. it's inspiring. It, it really is. And, you know, I think it's something that, maybe that's subconsciously part of it too is that diy work ethic that he has and like i know people are gonna shit on that and be like oh right this multi-millionaire really diy and it's like 
as much as he fucking can be, he is all about like putting in the work. I mean, that's yeah. his thing. So, um, yeah, let's uh, shift over. You guys have been dropping some new music. You uh, had a new song not too long ago drop. Um, talk about, you know, writing through the pandemic, getting to release this music now, and like how how are you dealing with it? Is it something where you feel like you've already outgrown the songs that you wrote at that time? Or are they still fresh enough that you're like, this still pertains to what we believe, you know? It's funny you say that. I uh, So I'm constantly going through an identity crisis. Like that was going to be the name of my uh, EP that this yeah. current uh, song was going to be on. Because I don't know, I still don't know what the fuck I want to do. I want to do everything. I want to write everything. Yeah. I woke up, I shit you not, I woke up this morning and I wrote a doo-wop song. Hey. I'm not in a doo-wop band, I, but now I have a doo-wop song. Am I going to use it for Nocturnal? No fucking idea. Is it going to go to a new project? Maybe. Is it going right. to do nothing? It might. Um, like, we wrote Metamorphosis and had it <laughs> recorded, produced, finished, printed, ready to go by the end of 2019 that was already done and then yeah. covid hit so we didn't release it for what two years like it just sat sat there collecting dust when i'm you know as it should have i'm glad we didn't just try to release it and freak out we we tried one single from it i believe we tried beyond the wall of sleep with like no backing no no like promo nothing and it was like like nobody they were like what what is this you know so um we then finally, we released that, and I, since then, have written about four to five records worth of music, um, and we've recorded with my production team, I want to say 14 of those songs. We've got a ton of covers ready to go, um, including, so, you know, It's No Good was one of them, because I'm a huge fan of Pesh Mode, um, but I've got, you know, I've got enough covers done to do a cover record all on its own because fuck it why not you know some of my favorite artists were great at covers frank sinatra sang a lot of covers michael buble a lot of covers so yeah. eventually we'll even even newer bands you know there's um kind of in your scene adjacent i'll say uh right. the band uh our last night is youtube covers i mean they've got original music as well but yeah. they blew up with taylor swift covers and shit like that oh, yeah and that's great uh, you know I mean? yeah it's like that's always been a thing people have been covering music for literally ages and it's if it makes you feel good when you play it and sing it fucking do it who cares right if right. people and vibe with it vibe with it if you don't like it that's fine go listen to somebody else like and there's I'm, so many songs that like when they're you know either covered or reimagined whatever term you want to use for it like there's times that the newer version you're like shit that's how it should have been like why didn't frank sinatra <laughs> write it that way oh because metal wasn't a thing then but it works you know oh yeah yeah so um obviously then since you have all this music kind of what's the the plan as you're moving forward through the end of this year like how are you planning to release stuff are you wanting to do a, a new full album drop you know is that still relevant in today's world at this point, uh, it's up to my team. That's why we've got them, you know. Um, yeah. I used to want to do everything all at once. Big control freak. Um, 
and uh, I'm learning to play well with others and I'm learning to work well with others and I'm learning to stop listening to my ego and my pride. And um, so who knows? I might release another cover. I might release an original. I might release five covers of fucking Tom Jones. Who knows? Hey, you know, that would be that would be dope. <laughs> all I in mean... one recording, all in one recorded song, five Tom Jones songs, back to back to back to back to back. You know, as silly as it sounds, somebody would be like, into it. You know you what know? I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's not unusual. Uh... <laughs> you do know what I mean? Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. <Not> um... <laughs> It would be really interesting to like maybe not truly back to back to back in a single track, but like I, to oh drop God. them I to drop them like that. Oh, I mean, if you could figure out, I think this would be something cool that I don't know that I've ever experienced. And just spitballing with you now, this may be your next little side project. Having an album that truly is like essentially one track all the way through and like fully bleeds in you know what i mean and transition like a yeah, like an like, actual like a vinyl record right like a traditional like old school it's record like one tool song i love it right yeah exactly <laughs> like that so that would be that would be dope nine inch nails kind of does something similar i suppose but oh, you know trent Reznor's a fucking savant so he's amazing um god i would love to do a record with that guy can you get him on the phone if well, I knew him, I would. Please <laughs> yeah. tell my If I knew him, I would because he's someone that I would love to have on this podcast. Even um, no. I don't think people, you know, we'll brag on him. Uh, I don't think people understand the level of genius that he is. I mean, I don't musically marketing the whole nine. I don't think he understands the level of genius he is. I I, I read an interview once of him talking about doing uh, with teeth. And mm -hmm. he was he was speaking to the drummer at the time, and I believe that was the Josh Freese era. I believe Josh Freese mm -hmm. was playing for that for the Reznor at that time. And I think he was telling him to play a certain part uh, for for a few of the songs, and he kept referencing Dave Grohl. It's like you need to play this part. Think of like how Dave Grohl does it. And Freese goes, um, "Why don't you just call him and have him record it?" And he goes, "You think you think he'll answer? Like, is that a thing?" And he goes, "Yeah, you're Trent fucking Reznor." Like right. call Dave Grohl. <laughs> so I believe Dave Grohl plays on a few songs on With Teeth. Yeah, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And you know, like I remember back in the day, I forget which album it was, but it was when our all kinds of artists were like terrified that their music was being leaked before streaming became a, a real popular thing. It was the Napster days and all that. Uh, and there was a story it, going around. Yeah, he's he like, was just dropping USBs and uh, yeah, USBs and shit in like bathrooms. Like, oh, there's there's one of our songs. Like, have at it. He's out of the game. He knew it. I mean, he saw that. He's always been able to see the bigger picture. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys have this really dope. We've talked about Fozzie a little bit already. You've got this really dope fucking tour coming up. Um, let's dive into that. You've got you guys, uh, Magdalene Rose. Seventh Day Slumber and Fozzie going out on the road um, for roughly th two and a half weeks ish. Um, yeah, well, fifteen shows, so that's going to be yeah. for us. I believe that's three weeks. So, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, October the nineteenth through November sixth. So, 
you know, a few days yeah. off in there. But so we do. Um, so we, the way we usually do it is we do five days on and two days off, and I think that's so Chris can go film AW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's a fucking workhorse. Like that guy just fucking. He and he doesn't just do like five shows. Like it's yeah, it's it's slated five shows on two days off, right? But it's right. like he does the VIP, right? Not to just fucking blow up his ego right now, but like he does VIP. So he does four to five songs for VIP at Soundcheck, and then the bands play, and then Fozzie plays for like an hour or two. So he does two yeah. shows a day. So he's doing 30 shows in 15 days. Uh, he's and, fucking that's, and then he that's, goes and uh, fucking films wrestling. He's fucking insane. He's amazing. But then, you know. on top of that, he's got his podcast and other shit that he's doing. So like, yeah, the, the man, I don't know, he... He's figured out whatever life's secret is about how to balance life and everything and more power I'll to take it. Whatever taking. Just let me know what it is. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some of these rooms that you guys are getting to play. Uh you're kicking off at the Barrel House Ballroom in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um kind of sticking around the Midwest, uh ish, a little bit, you know, a little bit west of the Mississippi and a couple of south dakota type shows in north dakota what are you guys looking forward to on this compared to some of the previous tours or even the cruise environment i just love all the places we're hitting i mean it's all the best states these motherfuckers know how to party i heard there's a few college towns and it's just like people show up and they have a good time you know it's there's some places on the west coast and i'm not going to name the cities because i don't want the cities to hate me but you'll show (laughs) up even if it's a full route people just stand there like this yeah and you play and they go, and they do that. And like, yeah. they don't even drink. It's weird. It's just, you, you show up and you're like, why are you here? Did you just show up to be grumpy? I don't understand. Uh, and then you go out to the Midwest and they just get down. You go to the South and they get down. Like, it's so fun. So we're going to have yeah. a good time. Yeah. I'm from Indiana, so I'll, I'll vouch for that. You've got uh, Angola, Indiana at the Eclectic Room which is I'm working with uh, Tori to try to get up to that show. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, um, that'll be great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a dope setup. Um, but then you're also, you know, again, hitting hitting the Forge, which is a fucking iconic venue over in Illinois. Like, I can't wait. It'll not, be I'm playing the Forge. So I was going to ask, it, it's not a, a room that everyone gets to play. Have you guys, you know, played it before? And what kind of, you know, feel oh. did you have? Um, that was one of our first really good shows, actually, on tour. So we were touring with the 69 Eyes in 2019, and that was that was our first tour ever. And yeah. we were vanning it, and we're actually going to be vanning it again on this tour. We're going to do vans and hotels instead of a bus because there's literally no fucking buses available. So we're just all like, "Fuck it, let's go, let's do it, let's hit the van." Let's. We're still happy to be on this tour. We're gonna we're gonna grind like a motherfucker, and um, so it's like. We, I remember just like the Forge was just packed for the 69. And the 69 Eyes, I believe, hadn't been on tour for over a decade. I think it was like their return to like yeah. being an actual like band and shit. And um, the crowd was wild. And it was a bunch of, I believe at the time, it was actually a bunch of comedians. Like uh, that, that was a place where they did a lot of comedy shows, at least mm-hmm. pre pandemic. I don't know if they do it now. Uh, so like a ton of comedians came out and hung out with us. And like, Oh my god, it was a blast! I don't know yeah. if you've ever got a drink with like people that do stand up. Uh, not not so, for a living, no. <laughs> surprise, they're fucking hilarious. So it's just right. like it was a great time, um, great memories at at the Forge. So 
I'm looking forward to that again. Awesome. Uh, and then, you know, kicking over the annex over in Madison, Wisconsin's another one that like gets rave reviews. And I think it's because, you know, these are towns, a lot of these towns that you're playing are big city adjacent or major market adjacent, right? So like now I don't have to drive to the big city, Joliet for Illinois, right? Like, okay, I don't have to drive to Chicago. Cool. I'll go over here and we'll have a great fucking time. Oh, so yeah. you get a lot of that, I think, you know, where, sure. I mean, obviously you've got St. Louis and, and Memphis on here to close out, which are major markets, but. Uh, <laughs> Buck wild. Yeah. Mostly because everybody talks about Nashville hot chicken, but have you had Memphis hot chicken? I it's buck. Anyway. It is. It's so good. But no, I, I was going to say, you know, to your point about some of these being like college towns or very close to college towns. And, you know, again, the way the the music scene is currently um, yeah. as the, you know, post pandemic and everybody's out on fucking tour to your point about no buses available. Like there, everybody's there, out there. We've been, we've been trying to get a bandwagon for five months and couldn't get it. And we, we thought we found a bus and like, for the amount of time it took for me to go, hey guys, do you want this? It was gone. It was like yeah. gone. It was crazy. It, it's insane. It It's really good for music in the one sense of like, it shows that everybody's out there and wants it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like trying to find that cycle again, right? Of like, okay, we're on tour. These guys are recording. These guys are on tour. We're recording. Like there's no cycle right now. It's just a free for all. It's insane. And you know what? Uh, it may be a pain in the, in the ass for bands like us, but I'm grateful for it because that means it's fucking thriving again. It means that right. it's people are out and doing shows and, and going to shows and having fun. And it's literally everything we fucking prayed for two years ago. So yeah. I'm so grateful that this is the problem we're having and it's not what it used to be. So, yeah, because I mean, especially, you know, in peak of the pandemic, there was questions if live music was ever going to come back in the first place, let alone be able yep. to thrive again. You know, I was um, about to put on the apron and be a fucking sushi chef again. I was going to do it like straight yeah. up. <laughs> I mean, you know, money's money, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about some of your, your friends here. So you've got again, Magdalene Rose seventh day slumber out with you. We've talked yeah. a lot about Fozzie, but. Magdalene Rose is probably one of my favorite vocalists in the industry right now. Um, she's got a killer range and she can scream like no other. Uh, on top of it all, you know, super like family values. It's not like, I don't know, man. It's their shows are always like she, she's, I believe, uh, I, I don't know about her bands before it, but um, I know. Do you know about GFM? I've heard of them. I never got into them. I don't know if she was any in any of the projects before that, but I, I saw her first with GFM because we toured with GFM and Fozzie. That was mm -hmm. our first. Um, it was, I believe, GFM, Fozzie, and it was Crash Karma. Who Do you know who Crash Karma is? Yeah, yeah. Fucking love them. Um, <laughs> so we got to know GFM and, like, their family and super sweet people, super professional. In fact, they taught us kind of like, how to be a little more professional on the road, like how the big kids do it. And right. um, a lot from them. And then we got to meet 
Seventh Day Slumber on the last Fozzie tour, only to find out that like they're all in the family. So it's like Magdalene Rose and Seventh Day kind of like party together. I know Magdalene and Seventh Day's uh, drummer just got engaged. So congratulations to them, by the way. Like, yeah. better for you guys. Yeah. Um, just all around, like, it's just, it's a camp of like really fucking talented songwriters, musicians, and it's all family. Like they tour with their kids. Like they've, like the <laughs> time, like they had a baby in a backpack and it was the, <laughs> the mom mixing at the board and they've got their cute little Frenchy dogs like on the bus. And it's their bus, and the dad, right. who's also the singer, drives the bus and does it. Like they do fucking everything, and it's they're like a little town that's also an entertainment company, that's also a label, that's also like fifty other bands probably if they wanted to be. They're fantastic. Like it's it's just we. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean glowing recommendation. Obviously, I think that is super cool too to hear that you know like there is still that guidance of some sort you know like you said where they hey you know this is this is how to behave on the road and you know yeah and it's they lead by example too they're not rude about it they're really kind and um yeah yeah if you have any questions at all they just answer like straight like it's there's no ego um sweetest people you'll ever meet yeah. See, and I, I love that because you always hear the horror story side of like, oh, the, you know, like the headliner won't talk to the openers or whatever. And it's like, fucking why? Like, <laughs> it's been like that. It's never been like that with, with at least thankfully, uh, knock on, you know, whatever wood there is around me here. Um, like our first tour with the 69 Eyes, we also on that bill toured with a band called MXMS and they were like absolute sweethearts too. They very much understood that it was our first run ever. And they made mm -hmm. sure we're like comfortable, knew how to properly be on time, ready to go, like the right proper etiquette, everything else like that too. So it's like, it's, we've, we've been very fortunate to get bands who are understanding of how green we were, you know, yeah. at the beginning of it all. So yeah. it's very cool. Well, and I, I think it is, you know, to me, it's one of those things where the scene only gets better if, everyone works together to make it better you yeah. know like and not that you guys were intentionally trying to be like the assholes fucking anything up or whatever but you know like if if you don't correct those those bands ideally in a professional and polite way but like correct the people that are fucking things up and being like hey this is this is an unsafe environment the way that you guys are behaving or whatever it is like that's where the toxic part of the music industry comes in yeah, yeah, but Fozzie has a really good eye at picking proper yeah. bands to go out with. I just, um, I just got the pleasure of meeting another band that they go out with called Pistols at Dawn. Uh, this last week, we got to kind of like finally like shake hands, be like, "Oh, you've been out with Fozzie too? It's good to meet yeah. you." <laughs> those are like the nicest dudes I've ever met. Like they're so freaking sweet and they're so talented. Like it's just, it's really cool. Like I, I we're super, super spoiled. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we're going to take going on tour with the next band that isn't a camp. It's going to be weird. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully uh, you guys will be blowing up and you'll be the one selecting what bands are coming out with you instead. And then you don't cool. have to worry about it as much, right? So <laughs> over my shoulder, drag them out with me. That'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, for you, you know, dreaming the perfect world, bucket list, whatever, what is like the ideal 
tour card that you would have as far as a lineup that you'd want to be on the road with. Other than this one, this one doesn't count. Are we, are we talking like who we're, who we're playing with if they're, if they've been huge or like newer bands we'd want to bring out with us either way or both ways. I would love to go out on tour with Nine Inch Nails. That'd be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's absolutely fair. (laughs) And I mean, you you can't really Nine Inch Nails, Perfect Circle, even Post Over. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Tool would be fun, but as a fellow Tool fan, Tool fans are fucking dicks. So maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's absolutely Uh, true. (laughs) Like, uh, I mean, you know, I, I could name so many bands that I would I would love to tour with, right? Um, maybe someday. But I would like to get to a position where we're bringing out enough people around the country that I can take my friends in Vegas out with us. You know, there's a band out here called Jack Sarah. They're absolutely phenomenal. There's a band out here called Von Bolt. Absolutely phenomenal. There's another band kind of based out here and out of Arizona called There Is No Us. And they don't fuck around. Like they're heavy as shit and amazing songwriters, amazing performers. So it's, you know, my dream tour is getting to go out with all of my friends in, you know, a community that supports the art. You know what I mean? And, and we come out black, not in the red. That'd be fantastic. Are you kidding me? Like, hell yeah. We all come back, not doing anything to anyone. Shit. Which, you know, for people that aren't aware, we don't have to get too too deep in the business side of this, but like tours don't just magically fucking happen. There's not just a blank fucking checkbook or anything that never gets paid back. Like it costs a lot of money to go out on the road, especially, you know, long runs and, and long runs for, you know, you guys coming over to the Midwest, like a, just look at gas prices. But aside from that, even, um, you know, I think so often people misunderstand and I try to talk about it fairly frequently on here about like, oh, we got signed to a label. That doesn't mean all the fucking problems go away or that there's an unlimited budget. Like every penny that you borrow gets paid back plus some. Yep. And then they like, yeah. oh, you shit too. it's not just yeah. like, hey, <laughs> ah, that's my, you worked on that. You like, you experienced trauma to write that. That's mine now. And you're like, why? Why do you buy? At least 70% of it, right? Isn't that the, the current cut? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which is what, what happened with Roadrunner? Even if they become what a hallway, they still owned Slipknot until what this year? They uh, were I think so. Just a hallway. Like the whole label was got it was hallway. Well, that's that's what happened with uh Victory Records when they I mean they had a lot of terrible shit that went on too, but uh up until I think it was 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. They owned the entire A Day to Remember uh, catalog up until that point. And we're not giving any fucking cuts off of it because you haven't made our money back yet. The fuck what they haven't. You know what I mean? Like, you're full of shit. But yeah, I think it's crazy that, you know, to me, I, I get it from the gross business side. But to me, if it's going to be a 70-30 split, it needs to be in the opposite direction. The artist that is creating the art should be getting the 70, the label, the 30 for distribution. Yeah. I mean, it just seems natural that that'd be the way it'd work. But 
Um, and that's why it's so important. The point we were both trying to get to here, come out to a fucking live show and give your money to the band directly through t-shirts and shit like that, because there's no better way to support them. Um, you know, we all joke about the fucking Spotify. Stop asking yeah. to be on if they put you on the list by a t-shirt or at least buy them a fucking drink. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I joke about the Spotify numbers all the time, you know, getting pennies per stream and millions of streams equals your final, you know, finally a few hundred bucks. But then on top of that, to your point, the label gets their cut. Every single songwriter or engineer or anybody that had any finger on that project gets their cut. And then finally it gets to the actual artist. Yeah. Streams are interesting. Streams are, uh, you know, the numbers of the streams definitely don't pay the artist what they should make, but you get those numbers on streams and you get on those Danny Wimmer presents festivals. You get on yes. those blue Ridge, you get on those, you know what I mean? Aftershock and it's there. You get to sell your merch, you know, make some money. Uh, but streams outright. No, they're more like, it's more like a pass to like the cool kids club. You're like, Hey, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I've said that it's kind of like, and some labels and whatnot still look at like Instagram followers for bands and, and whatever, but that's really what it is. Like that's your version of getting crazy these days is how yeah. openly ignorant some people are to like, Oh yeah, they've got the numbers and people are just buying that shit, man. I, yes. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you you mentioned Blue Ridge. I'm going to be a little controversial here. Do you think it's going to happen again? I hope after the the issues the last two years that they've been struggling with. What were the issues? The, I'm actually well, like I'm, the the weather mainly this year, but lineups and I love it. And I have friends that have played it, so they they've given me nothing but good feedback. So I'm out of a loop. So yeah, uh, I, the the main thing this year was they didn't plan for the weather at all, which it's hard to plan for weather. We get that, uh, right. but a lot of people were pretty upset based on the lack of communication around it uh, and lack of of preparation. But um, okay. lineup wise, I think it's dope. I think it's up there with like Furnace Fest and Aftershock. Um, okay. But I think a lot of people are it's cancel culture, right? Unfortunately, there's so many people that got burnt and they're like, "Oh, we're we're never going to support them again." And it's like. Okay, shit happens. I mean, wait until they see the lineup then. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if I told you I'm never going to that again, and someone was like fucking Morris Day and Prince and Little Richard are playing the same fucking shit, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to support him again. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, those are you know, not, not all of them could make that, but you get what I'm saying. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't know, man. I I try not to hate on stuff like that because I understand yeah. that communication can cause havoc with certain things like that. But like, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what struggle was happening, and maybe they were trying everything they could to yeah. to make to make shit not fucking terrible, and they just lost control. It happens. It it just does. Um, I don't know. I guess I just don't know enough about it to have an opinion. Yeah, no, that and that's totally fine. I I think my point is like it's it's easy for someone that's not involved in it to say that it was a train wreck. 
Uh, yeah. But, you know, like I went to work tour for 17 years in a fucking row. And here I'm based out of Indiana. So the Noblesville one, there were a couple times that we had bad weather. And I yeah. was doing press and I'm back in the fucking back with Kevin Lyman as he's trying to decide, like, do we call it? What do we do? And like the amount of stress that he's going through to your point, like you don't understand what those decisions are if you're not in the room where they're being made. Yeah. So, yeah. You just, it's crazy. I mean, they'll, they'll probably release a kick-ass lineup and then people will forget I'm about sure. even be involved. That's how. That's how the consumer is, my friend. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. It, and what it, I mean, fuck them. Oh, the McRib is back. Oh, I mean, you know, we got to get a McRib. It's coming back in November. I just saw a friend of mine posted yeah. about it. <laughs> what What did Starbucks do as a company? What did they do? Oh, I can't believe. Oh, pumpkin spice is back. Yeah. Yeah. They, they won't let their, uh, their workers unionize. I'm never supporting them. Okay. <laughs> I need a pumpkin spice latte. Like, that's yeah. Oh, happen. What, what happened during the pumpkin spice season? They didn't pay their workers. Jesus, that's terrible. Oh, wait a minute. White chocolate mocha is back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it the mint mocha? Whatever the the Christmas one is. The peppermint. The peppermint yeah, mocha. The peppermint mocha. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I totally get it, man. And I I think I think you're right. I think they'll a release a kick ass lineup. Hopefully, with a lot of return bands that maybe didn't get to perform because of the weather. Um, and I think realistically, like. The other like easy way to to trick the consumer to some extent, just put it on a different fucking weekend than what they're used to. Yeah. Oh, it was supposed to be the you know the first weekend of August. Cool. Now it's the third. Fuck it. Like we'll just move sell, it. sell some uh, sell some ponchos and and body anchors. There you go. Right. Be fun. I'm kidding. Yeah. That's that's I'm no. not. Trying, <laughs> I'm not minimizing. It. Terrible what happened, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, I get what you're going with though. Like, it, there really are like, there's so many minor fix, like the little things that would appease the greater audience through yeah. doing, you know. So, uh, you know, back to Warp Tour, they used to bitch about the heat, and then Warp Tour was like, fine, free water station, fuck it, still come to our show. Like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Oh, um, that we something out here called the extreme thing in the mm -hmm. middle, like yeah. hundred degrees, and there's our dumbass teenager selves out there, fucking yeah. What is it? Oh, is that a rock climbing wall? We fucking climbed the wall. Like a mirror is playing and punching every. My first mosh pit was in 114 degrees while fucking. Uh, I think it was in this moment was playing. Uh, before they, I believe before they did all that stuff with the Churcos, it was when she was still wearing like the tutu yeah. thing and they were like a lot heavier. Like that shit was awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. You know, it's, it's what makes, it's what defines fans is how I'll, I'll say that, you know, you, you cut your teeth in a festival situation for sure. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's what separates the, the metal fan from anyone else too. Like, I've seen country fans that are like, oh, you know, like I was going to go see Luke Bryan, but it's 110 degrees. Like, yeah, so <laughs> fucking <laughs> I drink a bottle of water. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so get to stand there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, depending on the stage setup, it may not be that bad, right? Like they've got those AC blowers from time to time. Now, if you've got the big bucks. <laughs> 
we we performed at this festival called uh scars and stripes with like hell yeah and like Abby mm-hmm. Don, all these other bands three doors down all that shit and the stage was like 130 degrees like it was like it was a cast iron pan it was like a fucking skin they had to we our time got pushed back because the band before us got heat sick from the sun and the singer vomited yeah. on the stage so they had to clean the stage and then we played <laughs> so it was i mean it, it all depends i mean you know that's no different than anybody that would perform after guar on a stage right like <laughs> yeah but most oh, yeah. theirs is fake but still <laughs> yeah Cold Chamber and Mudvayne had to follow that recently too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so to kind of uh, wrap things up or transition towards the end here, I refuse to sit down. I've been doing this for too long. I refuse to sit down and come up with better exit questions. So I okay. bought this game called Hot Takes and oh, cool. it's just like shitty opinions. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you like two of these and, and we'll see uh, kind of where this goes. So uh, the first one is that superstitions are real. It's it's interesting. It depends on how you make of it because they have proven that uh, what is it? It's when when you take those sugar pills. What are they called? The placebo pills. Placebo. Right? Yep. Yep. So when you take a placebo, your mind can trick you into actually uh, experiencing certain things, right? Like it's not gonna not gonna heal you from a major disease, but like there's like maybe like some forms of anxiety some forms of depression because it's not some a lot of that stuff could be a chemical imbalance and not fixable by placebo right but like it really all depends because if you sit there and you really fucking convince yourself of something and you really convince like oh shit uh i don't even know whether what's a superstition oh fuck i spilled the salt and like you don't what is it you don't fucking put it over toss it over your shoulder or whatever yeah and it, it like you could if you you change your mindset to believe that that's gonna fuck you up for the rest of the day, and then you like stub your toe or you you cut your fucking hand while you're making a peanut butter and jelly. Like, oh fuck! It's because I fucking spilled the salt. I didn't put it over my shoulder or something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> statement. Question. Statement. Yeah. Hot take. Whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, uh, I, I I think I this. I believe that I myself have some superstitions, and um. And yeah, I, it's not that I, I live by them on purpose, but, you know, we're like just in case never hurts, right? You know? <laughs> right, right. It's uh, There's an episode of uh, How I Met Your Mother where Marshall, Lily yells at him about his superstition. He apparently would lick the outside of a plane every time before they got on it. And, <laughs> and his logic is, we've never crashed, so I'm not going to stop doing it. And it's like, well... I mean, you're not wrong. It's bizarre, but <laughs> that show so much. I fucking yeah. love that show. I've been watching How I Met Your Father, and it's good. It's like the fix I've missed, but it's not the same. But I it's, still love it. Yeah, it, it is. It. It's really good. But as a massive fan of How I Met Your Mother, it's really hard to, to get to that level, you know? There's something about that era of, of TV that was just like, they were really killing it. Yeah. For sure. Uh, This one I don't think is going to be all that controversial. Volunteer hours should be required in high school.
Kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Well, yeah, because you're volunteering your time to the school itself, but <laughs> right. But I mean, like required. Yeah, if it's if it's required, right? Yeah, if it's required, then it wouldn't be volunteer. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Why would it? Why should it be required? Like, why would the it only? To, what are you? Yeah, what, I don't know. That's all it says on the card. Uh, my thought, I guess, would be. Let's draw another um, one. Another yeah, one. I'm going to. My my thought would be maybe more as the like disciplinary side of it. You know what I mean? Instead of like in school suspension, like okay, now you're going to volunteer some time, that type of stuff. But that's what jail and juvie and shit's for. So maybe not. I don't know. I mean, like if it's too, if there's like a lesson behind it, and if it's something that they willingly want to take on. Because other, if if that's not the case, then you're just going to cause them to rebel and not want to give back to the community later on in life. So it's like, what's what's the point behind it? That's so. Yeah, I feel like there needs to be more to that. Yeah, I I can I can agree with that. Uh, again, I don't think this one will be controversial to you just based on our conversation. But uh, I would rather lose all the money that I've made this year than lose all the memories that i've gained this year yep like without a doubt anybody that's picking the money over the memories your life sucks yeah <laughs> pretty much i mean that's, that's what that's what this career is it's memories that's what this yeah. is this is experience and and as i stated earlier i'm an extrovert and i live off of introducing myself and meeting other people like i i, I love hearing people's stories and I love sharing my stories with them and I love making new stories with them. You know, like that's life, man. That's yeah. If you've got a ton of great stories, you're way richer than anybody with the most money in the world. Like, yeah, that's, that's how I get happy. That's how I'm happy. When I come back from tour and like, yeah, I probably can't pay my phone bill, but like <laughs> the, the experiences I had with my band, like my brothers, like that's, I would not trade that for the world. I would tour in the back. I've said this tons of times to my team. If I had to, I would be in the back of a pickup truck in a trash bag across the country. If it meant I got to, you know, play music every day. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, obviously from the musician point of view, like that some people are going to be like, oh, that's the easy answer, right? Like that's the cliche answer. But I think the the point is, whether it's music or not, like, would I rather have, you know, $5,000 or have a trip to Australia, Ireland, wherever, and have those memories of being able to experience so much more than that $5,000 is going to go towards a house payment, a car, you can, like. And right. you can make more memories, but when I've gained memories, as opposed to gain and spend money. I don't think back and go, hey, remember that time that I just had 200 bucks? Right. No. <laughs> that, I think, hey. <laughs> we went to the movies and something happened and instead we ended up going elsewhere and went on this adventure and it turned into something else and we got sushi and all this, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's way more valuable to me. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, the last one's going to be that QR code menus are better than physical menus. 
I think uh, coming out of the pandemic, this is a perfect time. <laughs> it depends on the phone you have and where the battery's at. That's fair. That's fair. I think I think so many people are shitty about the QR code menu, not because of the tangibility of a physical menu, but they think that like the prices get changed more frequently or something. And from a business aspect, it probably is easier to do that. But at the Here, end of the day, if I'm eating out, I'm eating out. Here's where it's funny. If you have something on your table that's going to show me the menu, just put the menu on that part of the table that is going to show yeah, me. That's the- fair, too. <laughs> that is absolutely fair, too. Funny on the printing to put the QR code in front of me. So I skip. Just put it on the fucking table. <laughs> just laminate it. Leave it on the table. Like, you've already got an ugly QR code. Who fucking cares? Put it on the wall. But to me, honestly, like, get rid of the QR code menu because so many of the places use those fucking uh, Ziosks or whatever, the digital to take your payment and all that. Put the fucking menu on that. Just have that at my table and let me scroll through. You find out you had a pay form at the end of it? Fucking. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crime. It is. It is, especially, you know, you take out like nieces and nephews and you don't realize that that's what they fucking jumped on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Not me playing the games at all. No, I mean, I play them too. But if I'm not the first sitting at the table, sometimes they uh, they get swiped first. So, (laughs) No, sometimes uh, Texas Roadhouse takes a little longer with their food and it just passes the time in the best way. You know what I'm saying? I love that you use Texas Roadhouse as your example because like I'll fuck up two three baskets of those goddamn rolls and then regret ordering actual food <laughs> those are so good those are so we always like go on tour and we'll we'll pick a night where we're like all going to go to a nice place for dinner and we'll go to texas roadhouse and i'm like i'm like trying to eat good trying to lose like weight trying to look you know <laughs> lead finger body lead finger body lead finger body and they bring out those rolls with the fucking cinnamon butter and like my guitar player drew is a fucking stick just by ex- the guy has to try to put on some weight and he's just like oh yeah. And he's also the guy that, like, when he enjoys food, he makes everyone else want it. Like, he's just, like, he'll take a bite of something that maybe tastes okay. But if he's, like, stoned, he's, like, oh, my. Like, he has a fucking orgasm. And then the rest of the table's, like, oh, I need me one of them rolls. (laughs) So next thing I know, fucking two baskets in. And then my steak gets there. And I'm, like, I'm not even fucking hungry, but I'm going to eat it anyway and hate myself later. Great. Right. Right. I'm going to go die in the van. Like, it's just going to be miserable. Yeah. No, that's. And fucking sleeps the whole night through. And he's like, he wakes up skinnier somehow. I don't know how he does it. It's bullshit. I can tell you that much. Uh, (laughs) But no, I'm I'm with you. Texas Roadhouse is probably my favorite restaurant out there, man. I mean, I'll I'll fuck it up any day of the week. Touring restaurants, Texas Roadhouse and B-dubs is always pretty much the same everywhere you go. Great. Same thing with. Jimmy John's is pretty much the same everywhere he goes as well. It's great. Yeah. Well, and being on the road, I mean, consistency is important, right? You don't want to fuck around and let's try that place. And then everybody's got the shits. Yes. That is actually a very, you have to <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips with that one because you can't, you can't like get, we try not to get spicy. We try not to get like anything a little, a little off the norm. Like I broke that rule when we were in New Orleans because we had some time off. Mm-hmm. fucking oysters everywhere i went i got spicy crawfish everywhere i went thankfully i didn't get sick but i was like yeah i mean i was in new orleans for the first time ever like yeah. let's go i miss yeah. it so 
New Orleans is there's something else down there, man. It's a whole different. <laughs> I like almost cried when we left the city. It felt like I was <laughs> like not so attached to that city. Like I'm probably going to be moving there at some point. It's it's perfect. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so yeah, kind of to to finalize out here for you. What do you want to tell fans that are coming out to to this tour? And just you know, I'll obviously link all your socials and everything. But where can they find you online? Like, what's the best way to interact? Things like that. I mean, our music's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be on Apple Music. It's going to be on YouTube. Um, I think our website has some tracks. But you know, just come out and say hi. If you're in the neighborhood, simple. Hang out. Simple enough. We don't bite. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I metal uh or the you know heavy music concern is that everybody's vicious and violent and whatever and it's like i i just told i don't remember who it was now i just talked to a band the other day and we were talking about that stereotype yeah Uh uh-oh i think froze it's my phone dying I think I might have lost you. All right, I froze. There we are. We're back. Um, okay. No, I was saying though, like for I forget who the artist was that I said it to, but I just made that comment the other day that like some of the the concerts that I've felt the most safe at ever are metal or heavy shows. Like there's something about the community. Like I know they get portrayed as violent and angry and whatever, but at the end of the night they're some of the nicest fucking people you'll ever meet so if you're a little apprehensive about it don't be fucking come out and have a good time if dude fozzy parties straight up yeah i don't know if you've ever watched uh rich perform Mm -hmm. that dude is always moving always constantly in they're just they put on a great show man yeah it's great and, you know, they're bringing out you guys. So why not come out and see it, right? Like, even if you're only a fan of Fozzie, come out early. We have I'm fun. A big, I'm a big fucking stickler for it. Last thing as we wrap up here, fucking get out to a show early. Quit skipping openers and shit like that because you only know the headliner. Like, how do you discover music? Go enjoy it. Yeah, that's, I, you know what? I'm right there with you, but I've, also been guilty i've of been guilty of it but <laughs> gaming in the parking lot man you know yeah. it's 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 at the fans discretion if they want to most of the time i mean you know people that come out to shows like this they're smart they go online they check out the bands that are opening if they dig the vibe they go if they don't they don't so if you like us come say hi if you don't that's cool we're only out there for like 30 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. yeah awesome man um, I've enjoyed this conversation. Like I said, I'm going to try to get to the October 21st show up at the eclectic, uh, room in Angola. So hopefully, you know, we'll see each other there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for you. I'm stoked for this new music that you're working on. Um, hopefully, you know, coming out soon and, you know, just excited to see, like, like we said at the very beginning of the episode, like what the state of the heavy music scene is now and where it's poised to go. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm excited. Especially yeah, with all absolutely. the new bands coming back like that I used to listen to. Like, take me on tour. Take me on tour with you. you know? Yeah, especially, you know, I, I made fun of him 
at first, but I grew up with him. So Limp Biscuit, you know, I prime time of them coming out. And then when they came back, I was like, oh, fuck off. And then I listened to the song a second time. Hey, though, they paved the way for a lot of people. They, yeah. Especially West, dude. He's fucking yeah. phenomenal guitar player and showman. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think you're right. I think hopefully that's going to help fuel the the industry or the scene as well. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. And, you know, the further we get away from the pandemic and hopefully no more pandemics, the better everything will get as well. We'll see. You know what? At least we've already been through one, so we know how to handle the next one if it happens. But let's hope it doesn't. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch and hopefully we'll uh, October 21st see each other and high Hell fives yeah. or, or whatever. So down. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time and we'll uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks for having me. And that was my conversation with Brendan Shane of the band The Nocturnal Affair. Uh, huge shout out to him for taking the time to sit down with me and have that conversation. Um, and yeah, I think again, that this is a really cool time. Like, like we were talking there, especially towards the end of the the conversation, metal music, new metal, whatever, hard rock, alt rock, whatever fucking genre term we're going to put on it. Uh, I believe is in a really cool position right now. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. I think there's a resurgence to it and um you know part of that is the veterans in this space coming back uh, or you know continuing to pave the way for younger acts but i think more importantly it's the younger acts that are pushing the envelope a little bit harder a little bit further uh and really trying to drive this this scene this community this uh musical space uh into a more mainstream light and just being able to uh put on shows and create music and art that is not only relevant to them but to so many people that maybe don't always feel like they fit in and it's a, a really really cool position like i said so um yeah go check out the nocturnal affair um you can stream them anywhere be sure that you follow them on all the social medias and stuff i'll obviously have that all linked in the description of the podcast um and then yeah if you're in the primarily midwest area uh and then a little bit into the you know the south to some extent um check out the, this tour it starts on october the 19th in chattanooga tennessee it runs until november 6th uh ending in memphis tennessee but they are going all over the place they're going to be in uh kentucky indiana illinois iowa nebraska south dakota minnesota north dakota uh michigan wisconsin uh missouri so if you're anywhere in in this area uh be sure you get out to one of the shows you're going to be able to see 
Magdalene Rose, The Nocturnal Affair, Seventh Day Slumber, and Fozzie all in one show. Um, and it's going to be really fucking dope. So go do that. Um, like I said at the beginning, I do have more guests being lined up. So I'm trying to get back onto a normal weekly uh, release schedule again. Just had some personal things that I had to take care of and, uh, you know, a little little bit of life changes. So um, I am working very hard to get everything back up and running to become weekly again, uh, if not at very least um, two or three times a month. So uh, it'll get back to weekly eventually. I'm just trying to get the the pieces into alignment, you know, so... Uh, as always, thank you guys for everything that you do for me and this podcast and the website and the Instagram and all that shit. Uh, if you could, be sure you like, share, subscribe, follow all the free shit uh, because that support means the world and it really does help with uh, landing some of these guests and being able to make these pitches to the right people. So. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for you guys on this week's episode. So, as always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.